All right, do a mic test. Do a mic test for me, Steven. Testing one, two, three. Uh, do it alone. Do it alone. Hamga chan. Hamga chan. Ah, pokai. That's the volume you need to be speaking at. Okay. Do it alone. Moment time. Moment time. Moment time. Let's do it. Ah, faidila. Do. Faidila. Waiting for you. What is that word? Uh, what do you call say that word? Faidila. No. Uh, it's uh. Faidandi. No. There's a. Oh, I forgot. Fuck, I forgot. There's this Cantonese word or uh, phrase. I remember, like, I always hear, like, in elementary school, all my classmates were from Hong Kong, uh-huh. and I always hear the parents say it to them on the playground. I always like yelling at them, like scolding them. I forgot. Most of it, how? No, don't run around. No, it was very. It's very like. It was very like loud. Very like fucking. But punchy. what? What? I forgot what the phrase is. It's no. Like, what does it mean? Do you know the translation? I don't know the translation. That's the thing. But I always hear them getting yelled at with this phrase. Siusama. No. Atai. No. It was. It was longer. It was longer. Yeah. It was like four words. I think it was like four words. Yeah, I, I always hear the parents. Like I go to these kids' homes and their parents will be like yelling. I know, like sick fine is like eat. Yeah, yeah. And then they would say something else like afterwards and it's like, afterwards. Yeah. Fatila. No, I know fatila. Mokaman. No, I, I forgot. I mean, yeah. if you yeah. know the meaning, then I'm able to figure out. It's okay. Yeah, we're it's it's a shot in the dark. Anyways, it was. Uh, I think I think dinner was good, man. How how did you enjoy dinner? It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, we we always like we we eat out a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think this year I spent about a thousand dollars feeding you. Really, I I think so. Like, uh, uh, well, I'm gonna start doing my taxes come January, right? So I'm gonna yeah. accumulate. I'm gonna count the receipts. Okay. And I think this year, like. Us eating out together. Well, yeah. I don't think it's like, probably around six, seven. I feel like no, it's around a thousand. It's around a thousand. It's around a thousand. Because Chicago was like one seventy. Was it? Yeah, it I was one. It was one seventy. Isn't like fifty something per person? Right? No, it was. It was like it was around uh, eighty per person. Was it that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. So no. that would be yeah. It was eighty per person. It was eighty a person. I don't think that Trust me was, I, I remember that Because I saw that bill I was like fuck This is pretty Because I'm really, sure is that Or is it yeah. from The Italian place that we went I'm pretty sure The Italian place Was the most expensive Which is the went. Italian place That we went Oh Tudo Yeah Yeah Tudo I also spent around 170 I remember Shingaku is not going to be that no, much No trust me Shingaku was 80 a person So it was 160 Plus tip <sighs> and tax No trust me I, I have the receipt for it so mm-hmm. Shingaku and then be Tuto. So that's already like over three hundred dollars. Yeah, four dollars. Yeah, plus like all the other random shit. So trust me, easily man, thousand dollars. Brendan would be jealous. I know, uh, right? And like the thing is, we we eat out so much is because uh, well, for one, like we don't cook. Like I can't cook. I'm not a good cook. But you're actually a pretty decent cook. Yeah. Like I remember um, this year, Stephen made uh, a steak and risotto for me while we were shooting one of our videos, and it was actually. To my surprise, well, not to my surprise. I knew I always knew Stephen was a good cook. He's very articulate, very detailed. But when you actually made it in front of me and the way you served it, the way you prepped it, I was truly impressed. I'm really. glad you like it. I mean, that wasn't my best, but like that day, I think I'm pretty tired. Like it wasn't the best that I can offer for you. But probably next time. Yeah, we shot for about a good six, seven hours before. Yeah, before we start cooking. Yeah, yeah, so you exactly. were pretty fatigued by that point. Yeah, but at the same time, like I feel like. We eat, we eat outside so much Like most of our year Like the best stories Comes from like us eating out Yeah, And exactly. uh, I wanted to start this uh, show with you Is because I remember This was middle of July During COVID 26 degrees outside We went to uh, eat hot pot Because <laughs> it was so hot outside Oh right we, I remember We, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, can't yeah, stay exactly. outside So we got to go inside <laughs> To an air conditioned room To eat hot pot And eat hot pot And that was the first time We talked about the idea of 20-ish yeah, and then exactly. turning this into a uh, a series, and uh, and I think I want to I want to tell from your perspective, you can tell us what is twenty ish and uh, what have we done. I think twenty ish. We want to bring out the message from people from different background and different um, experience to share how their twenty ish look like. Because I feel like when I was at earlier age, when I was a teenager, I wish there was kind of these people were sharing their how do the 20s look like. But I feel like stepping into 20s is kind of like a big journey or big step into our life. We're trying to figure out what we want to do in life to finding focus in our career. And I think a lot of people, they're still struggling or they don't have like a vision of what they do. But I think that is part of being 20-ish is explore explore different things and kind of 
find out what you love and what your passion is along the way. Mm. And also different people have different paths. Don't try to compare yourself to someone else because you're the one who create your own path, your own life. So just trust yourself and just focus on what you love, what you enjoy doing in life. And originally we were going to make this into a video series. So why I have Steven on the first episode is because Steven was the first episode of the 20-ish video series. Uh, that series, we spent about a good six weeks uh, yeah. shooting, a lot yeah. of hours. Uh, it's still not done. It's still uh, it's still in the works. Uh, I've been delaying it and delaying it, and Steven's been asking where it is. And uh, <laughs> I, I just want to apologize to Steven publicly. You know, I, I thought I was a better filmmaker, but apparently I'm not. I'm not that great. I'm having a, I'm having a lot of trouble with the edit. Uh, but I'm hope hoping to, and plus it's it's been really hectic for me in the last few weeks. So yeah. I'm hoping I can put it out for you, uh, Chinese New Year. Come, when, when is Chinese New Year 2021? Uh, February for the uh, February 12th. Okay, so I just Google out this morning. Okay, what well, you have, you have special plans for Chinese New Year's? No, I was uh. thinking to do something special for my client this year. So actually, I was thinking to mm. make radish cake and exo sauce myself for my client for Chinese New Year. Because mm. it's the kind of thing that uh, people kind of give out to people, like oh. to family relatives. So you would make it and then give it out as like a gift? Yes, exactly. Oh. Because I feel like most of the time during Chinese New Year, we're going to give like red envelope to clients. But that I feel like it's like there's something that it's not really unique. That's why I'm thinking like, if I can make my own radish cake, and my exhaust sauce, I think maybe put like a stickers or branding with my own branding. What's and your then, own branding? I don't know, just whatever. Something oh. more unique. Yeah. I just want to make something more unique that client uh, can, can, won't be forget. It's something special like reddish cake. Like clients can buy themselves, but like kind of for me, making myself and then giving out to my client, I think that's really unique for them, right? And mm. I'm kind of putting the effort to appreciate their business uh, with me over the years, right? Uh, I, I like the way you uh, you describe clientele because you remind me a lot of another friend of mine who's a realtor. Uh, he's very thoughtful, uh, much like you. Uh, but and this is the whole point why I want to do this podcast is because when we shot your video to highlight your 20s, your strengths, your struggles, I don't think it really does you justice because in a two, three minute time frame, you can only learn so much about someone. Yeah, so when we exactly. actually sit down and have this long form conversation, we can really get to understand Steven, you know, what, what are you, you know, what do you do? What are you dealing with? What's truthful about you? The kind of uh, social pressures, parental pressures, our own self-inflicted pressure. And this is like why for everyone that we invite onto the show, we want to peel back the layers and we want to see, you know, that this is all a, a human experience of growing and learning. It's exciting and challenging. And we want to tell that broad range of stories. So I, I appreciate that uh, that uh, that story with the radish because if uh, if I didn't know you and you just told me that, I would think it's kind of weird. But <laughs> no, knowing who you are, I think that makes a lot of sense because you're such a detailed-oriented person. Yeah. Why, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, introduce yourself, tell us your name, your age, uh, and a little bit about you. Uh, my name is Steven. I'm 25 this year. I'm going to be turning 26 in three and a half months as of December 28th. Um, so I'm a luxury specialist uh, in menswear. I've been working in retail for around five or six years. Um, what I enjoy the most is like at work would be like spending time with clients, getting to know my clients and kind of redevelop that uh, person, personal relationship with my clients. For me, I'm not that type of person who are very transactional in sales. I really like to build a long-term, the long-term relationship with my clients. When you say luxury retail, what do you, what do you specialize in? I'm just, I specialize in menswear. Uh, based all my background. So like suits and ties? Exactly. So for me, it would be more specialized in like the sartorial side. And that's what my passion and my personal style kind of driven towards to. What is sartorial? So sartorial would be, I mean, just from like the word itself would be mean kind of tailored goods, good quality tailored goods. But if you're kind of digging down to like the sartorial culture, it's not just about clothing itself. It's more about understanding the clothing, where is it made from, how was it made, uh, what kind of work involved in this garment. So I think the whole sartorial lifestyle behind that is kind of understanding uh, the product or the service that you use instead of just like, oh, it's a 
good product is expensive, that means good, but kind of really digging deep down the process behind that. For those who um, are listening, you can't see what Steering's wearing, but he's got a white powdered denim jacket on with a blue blazer. He's got a very formal business tie and a white shirt. So even the way you dress, you know, you dress like, I know this is how you dress normally all the time. Like, uh, I have to ask you, like, you ever thought about being an investment banker or in finance? No. No? No. Not not something I'm interested to. I'm never really good with numbers. So I don't think that would be the path that I want to move forward to. Did you did you know from a very early age that like finance and stuff was not a career path for you? Yes, because I think kind of like coming from a Asian or Chinese family, you know, they kind of always thinking like doctor, banker, lawyer is like typical job that they want us to work in the future. But like it just never my thing. So what what did your parents push you towards? I mean, it kind of pushed me towards a traditional, like a good job, like nursing, doctor or science, that kind of thing. But all those kind of business side is not really, uh, it's not something I'm interested to when I was a teenager. So. And ultimately, I know university, you went to school for design. Yeah, exactly. What, what drove that creative side? Uh, I think just because from my background, like uh, my cousin, uh, we were really close when I was younger in Hong Kong. Um, because he was an interior designer and then he also really dressed up really nicely, have his own style, even though right now our style is very totally opposite, but like he kind of like bring me into like, kind of like the design world and appreciate, um, beautiful things. And I think that's kind of how driven me towards into like, like the design expat. And that's why I end up, uh, going to school for design instead. Wow. You, you ever, um. I guess right now your your career path of um, luxury retail uh, is this is this really fulfilling that creative um, drive that you have? Yes, because when I finish school, I have this uh, kind of picking in between two sides. I was taking either interior design or fashion related stuff, but fashion designing was not something that I was considering at that time. So, and I have an opportunity just to start working in retail in like menswear. And that's kind of starting to uh, grow more in me throughout the years. And then it just became my passion right now. And that's I, what I do every day for work. Cause th- this industry, uh, this industry of luxury retail is very interesting. Uh, even though it falls under retail, it's a very specialized niche. Uh, I always have a hard time explaining to my parents because of my experience in it. Um, they always say, you know, why are you working in retail? You should get a real job and stuff like that. Uh, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is that you can make a lot of money, like a lot of money in luxury retail if you do it right within a very short time frame. It's a career that really doesn't have a barrier to entry. In- is it what we call it? barrier to entry? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Barrier of entry. Like anyone can really get in this industry. Yeah. It's very, it's not very difficult and yeah. the upsides are really big. It's a tough job because I think as you experience, the hours are long and we really started in uh, luxury retail around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little better, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you disagree? I don't, I disagree, I disagree on that. Okay. But we, we, we share <laughs> similar experiences yeah. uh, in this field. And um, I think, you know, looking off five years later, since I first started, uh, I know an, a godly, uncomfortable amount of information about clothing and about styling. Like seriously, I don't, I don't feel like any 25 year old should know this much about those clothes as we do. Especially but, like in this like suiting, this so niche market of like menswear, right? Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's almost, I almost feel like a little bit, uh, a little bit dirty <laughs> about it. <laughs> But it, it, it's, uh, it, it is a little bit of a blessing, too, because I think it, it really gives uh, a different perspective yeah. in terms of detail and how we look at art, the world, yeah. um, society at large. I don't want to get too like deep and philosophical because I don't think most people will follow. But yeah. why don't we talk about in terms of like uh, income in Vancouver? Is it possible to raise a family working in this industry? I mean, that... It can definitely be able to do that, but of course you have to put in a lot of hard work into it and uh, be consistent and uh, be persistent about it. Like it's some, it's not something that you can 
make like that good money within a short period of time because you need to start building clientele, right? Because like especially in luxury retail, I think one biggest biggest factor to make a difference from other brand or like other maybe uh, lower end brand is like we really focus on clientele and focusing on repeating customer and having that one customer always shopping with you. Because like there's so many sales within the building or within the department, right? But how do you build that relationship to kind of have the client trust you and rely on you and they will come see you every time they shop, right? I agree with all of that. I think the only part I disagree with, I think, is the time frame. I think it's very possible in a very short amount of time to be making like 100000 over a year. Because I, I see with my own eyes a lot of people that have gotten in this industry um, same time as me, mm-hmm. but they excelled so much quicker than I am because they had that very sales driven DNA mm-hmm. and they were able to transact at a very high. Of course, they're developing clientele along the way for the long yeah. run, but in the short run, they're able to transact at a very fast rate and mm-hmm. a very high, uh, large volumes. And I seen them, uh, like uh, someone that you, we both know who you used to shop with. Yeah. Uh, she's a prime example of someone who's achieved uh, incredible uh, financial income within yeah. just two years. Right. And so I think it is it is very much possible. And I think there's a uh, there's a lot of people that uh, can live a very decent lifestyle doing yeah, it. Definitely. But I think it's it's also it's a very like any industry. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of trade offs. The hour sucks. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Most of the time. I mean, like today's your day off. Yes. You get two days off a week. Yes. What did you do today? Today. I was uh, doing some other stuff on my on the side, so kind of busy. And also, like for me, all my clients always message me when I'm not working. When I work five days a week, the five days they never message me. They always message me on my day off, and I still have to reply them. So, so you, you're always because the, for as long as I know, you're always in a work mode, even when you're off, even when you're trying to relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with you to we worked together in the same environment for about five months. And whenever on your day off, I always see you in the store to a point where it, it gets annoying, to be honest. I, mean, I don't want to see that much. Seeing me five days, it's like enough already. They want to see me for extra two days. It's true. It's true. And Steven is, uh, you know, for I guess most people listening to this won't know you. Steven's a very um, demanding person. You know, Steven has his standards. And uh, if you don't meet it, uh, he's not the one to call you out in your face. But it's something he's going to remember, right? And Steve will hold a grudge against you for, for a long time. <laughs> Somewhat, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you tell me what's your uh, what's your strength? I think my strength would be a good listener. Uh, no matter within my work environment or in my personal life, I think I'm as a good listener. I'm always listening and then. Um, spending time to understand my clients, to understand my friends, how they are as a person. Because I think interacting with each person is very different. You can use the same method to everyone. So let's say for work, some clients are a bit more like a softer or more calm personality. You want to kind of appreciate, like kind of using the same similar communication towards the client. Some clients may be more like outgoing, kind of more duchy type. You want to kind of using the same reaction to them. Do you call right? your clients douchey types? I mean, I don't know what's the right word for it, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just whatever yeah. you feel, right? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of douchey clients, not gonna yeah. lie. It's part of any industry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in terms of like, you know, your your trajectory right now is, uh, I know that you obviously want to go into other fields as well. Like you want to explore different things. What do you think that you've learned from luxury retail and your experience with dealing with clients? How does that help you to branch out into different things? I think with luxury retail, like I think I learned a lot. Uh, the first big thing would be like clienteling. How do you develop that really unique experience and relationship with the client? Because like, in luxury retail, as I mentioned before, at least for myself, I'm not type of person who are very transactional. I'm more focused on like a long-term relationship, long-term relationship with my clients, repeating customer. Because I feel like just in case, let's say if I don't work in luxury retail in the future, but if I'm able to have this relationship with my clients, whatever I do in the future, I still have this connection that I can utilize in the future that 
uh, it will be helpful, right? So I think if you are someone who are very transactional, yeah, you may be making a lot of money within the first or two years in your career, but once you left that place, you kind of losing everything that you have at work, right? So for me, I'm always thinking about long term and thinking about future. Uh, so so that's why I'm really focusing on building those clientele uh, here. So you're kind of in your early twenties, you're sowing the seeds for later on of things yeah, you want to do. Exactly. Well, what do you want to do? I mean, right now, like being 25, I kind of want to explore uh, different options um, just to try different things. So I've been working in retail for five, six years. Yes, I love what I do. I enjoy what I do. And I really enjoy spending time with my clients at work or even outside of work. But I feel like being 25 and just spent five years, six years in retail, I think, I might want to have a change to explore different options because I don't, I think working my whole life in just what industry is kind of, um, I don't know what's the word for it. It's boring. It's not really boring. You feel like it caps you in some way. Yeah. So I just want to see right now. I'm just kind of be more open-minded to see what's opportunity uh, outside that I can try and try to explore in the future. You ever tried uh, multi-level marketing? What's that? <laughs> you never tried? You never been approached by multi-level marketing guys? No, really? No. Wow, that's actually that's actually so unusual. I think any I think pretty much most people in their twenties have uh, been exposed to multi-level marketing companies. At one point, they'll come up to you, they'll be like, "Hey, uh, are you looking for an opportunity?" And then they'll introduce you to their mentor, and then they'll teach you how to sell a product. And you never, you never, you never had no. that. No. Wow, you're very, very different. Interesting. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, that's not an opportunity I recommend you. I'm just, I'm just bringing that as an example. Yeah. Well, uh, I also know that uh, you kind of want to leave the industry because you can't buy the car that you want to buy <laughs> on the side. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, it's not the biggest reason I mean, that. I mean, the, I, there's, hey, we're 20 year olds, man. There's material reasons behind our decisions too, man. Like, I, I like nice things. You, you really like nice things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, like, I spent a thousand dollars eating with you this year. This, <laughs> Steven freaking really likes nice things. Uh, wh- wh- what car do you want to buy, Steven? I mean, my dream car would be a Porsche 911. Uh, How much is that? I think starting at around 100k. Can you lease one? Not at the moment, but maybe in the future. No, I'm saying like, can, are you able to like, is someone able to lease one of those cars or you have to buy it outright? Like if I go to a Porsche dealership, can I lease it instead of buying it? I can lease it. Oh, how much would it be to lease like monthly? I have no clue. Probably around, actually, I don't know, man. Oh, you got to do your research on this, man. If you really want that car, you know, you got to, you got to, you know how much time I spend during COVID on car websites? <laughs> I know. I remember telling me every day you're building different cars. Yeah. I, I went on every website, Mercedes, uh, BMW, Porsche, uh, what I, I built like Mazdas, Lexus, Acuras, Hondas, like I built everything. I was obsessed with getting a car like during COVID because I was just stuck at home all day. Yeah. Right? I was thinking, how do I get out? How do I get out? I need, I need a car. Uh, but you know, you know, the funny thing is that like, uh, I, I still don't own a car. Uh, a huge reason of that is because of you. Because I drive. Not only because you drive, so tell us, what do you drive right now? I'm driving a Toyota Corolla. What year? 2009, I think. Uh, how much is your insurance? <laughs> 6000 Exactly. <laughs> this is why. So the reason I don't drive is a double-edged sword because I know my insurance premium is probably just as high as yours because of my accident. And plus, you know, you drive me around everywhere, so I don't really need a car. So those are the two reasons why I don't drive because I'm scared of that insurance premium that I have to pay. And plus you give me like free rides. You should start chipping in with my insurance I I spent a thousand dollars on you on dinner. Just give me cash next time. (laughs) (laughs) Just put that one thousand dollar for dinner. Just put towards my insurance. I I offered you. And during COVID, I offered Steven because a lot of my friends are upgrading their cars to getting nicer cars now. Uh, Like one of my friends getting a Tesla. I think another one is... uh, gonna get like a bmw or mercedes soon and uh as they're all upgrading i'm kind of like looking at steven like hey steven <laughs> you know all of my friends kind of take turns driving me around you're the only one that still has like a 2009 corolla you know and i offered steven i said i'll give you 200 a month if you upgrade to like a mercedes-benz a-class right the very base model <laughs> and I, I made that offer it's still on the table it's not know? enough man yeah two 200 a month it covers a little bit of the lease it covers like a third of the lease 
Yeah, but yeah. then I still have that like 6k yeah insurance didn't you tell me one of your clients drives a porsche oh yeah actually one of my client he used to drive he used to drove a porsche gt2 rs so basically how, it's how one of that? their top model track uh track car so he it was how, a 2016 and it was car? 300k it's 300k yes and then his insurance was four thousand <laughs> And you're, you drive a 2009 Corolla and your insurance is 6,000? Yep. I don't, I don't even understand how, how that's up. How many accidents have you been in? I mean, I have some like minor accidents for all the last few years, but like the biggest one was last year. And that's really bumped up a lot. Like it bumped up double for my insurance this year. Jeez. Like when you have an accident, do you have to pay for the damage or does insurance just cover it? How does insurance cover because we just went for insurance so you don't have to take it out of pocket no oh yeah, so and let's go to my insurance this year and then next year and then the year after so interesting uh you know what i gotta say you know out of everyone that i know if there's one guy that's gonna marry a really rich girl i think it's you yeah why yeah, with that let me take a break <laughs> real quick and grab some water and we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back we're back, and Steven, you're just telling me, you, do you want some wine? No, I'm good. I had plum wine and red wine. I'm good. You good? I'm good with alcohol. You're afraid you're going to get like another accident going, and your premium jumps to 9,000? I don't drink and drive, you don't and drink. I just don't like drinking in general. Why don't you have your class five? <laughs> just a bit. I mean, I'm too busy, and then I'm kind of a bit lazy. What are you so. busy with? I mean, as I said, my only two days off, I have other stuff to do, and then my client's always bugging me on my day off. But like you, you drive around so many girls in your car. Aren't you afraid that like you get pulled over one day? There's like three girls in your car, and then the cops gonna be like, "Why? Why do you have a class seven? Uh, let's move to the next subject. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with that? Anyway, so before we went to break, I was gonna say, you, you see how I got there? You see how I did that little turn there? It's it's good storytelling. You should learn from me. Uh, I was gonna before we went to break, I was talking about how I think you're gonna marry a really rich girl. Um, because I say that because uh, you are a person with many, 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 many female friends. A lot. <laughs> like, I've known Steven for five years now. Uh, I met you All when right. I was 20. I only was got it? To, was yeah, it 20? You, we were 20. Shit. We met, yeah. And uh, I only got to know you really, really well, I think, after... Uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah, yeah. That year. So I was 22, 23. That's when I got to know Stephen really well. And the entire time I worked, I've known Stephen. i never seen a single guy friend, like a male friend, visit Stephen at work. But I've seen countless pretty, good-looking, tall female friends come see Stephen. So I really, I had to ask Stephen, I said, what is your other job? Like, what do you do on the side? <laughs> Because it's so, it makes everybody wonder. I think everybody at work is like, because, you know, if you don't see the video, Steven, Steven's about what, you're, you're four foot 11? How tall are you? How, how tall are you? Uh, 165 around there. 165? Yeah. So you're, you're like five, 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 six. Yeah, five, 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 six. Yeah, not right. So you're, you're, for a guy, you're considered on the, on the shorter side. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're a slim guy. Uh, Steven kind of has a, a bigger head, a smaller body, so kind of like a bubble <laughs> head. But you Can just, I just have, leave this podcast right now. You I'm going to leave. I'm going to go most, out. No, you just have, no, listen, on this podcast, it's all about distilling the truth and really sharing genuinely who we are, right? As people are talking, because we want to leave this episode for people that are younger and listening and, you know, experiences, advice that they can draw on. And in your particular case is that Steven, a five foot five guy with a giant ass head, can have a lot of. <laughs> A lot of pretty, pretty female friends that are really, really tall. Uh, that's actually one aspect that really um, brought me closer to Steven because I really wanted to meet some of his friends. Which and, you uh, have. I have. I have met a lot of your friends, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, but but I, I just have to ask you, like, why do you have so many female friends and not a lot of guy friends? Because if I ask you who's your guy friends, you can name, like, what, two or three? Harry. Uh, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I think that's one of the reason is like um, because I'm into clothing. Um, I think that's one of the biggest reason that um, I have so much female friends. But a lot of my female friends they always like, ask me like, "Oh, does this looks good?" or "I like, what's your think about this dress, this bag, these shoes?" And I always give them a really truthful um, feedback. I think that's one thing that. 
uh, they re really appreciate me as a friend. So I think that's one of the biggest aspects. And then also, like, as I mentioned before, like, I would say myself, I'm a good listener. I um, always, like, spend time to really get to know who they are. I think just in general, like, for my interests, um, I'm just not, like, a really, like, a car. Like, most of my guys' friends are all, like, modified this car, modified that car, having this, like, uh, uh, like painting these rims, like that kind of thing, lower my suspension. Like I'm just never that type of car guy. So I think just because of my interest is so much different than like a really typical uh, man. So that's why I don't have that much Your closer. Your interest is different than a typical man. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so weird. <laughs> so don't get it wrong. I mean, like just like a lot of interest that, like my focus is really different. I think that's one reason that um, why my friend circle is so much of a it leans female, skews female. Yeah. How do you how do you meet all these girls then? Because you gotta you gotta start at some point. Like how do you start? I ask this as a genuine question because I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are in school that wants to have as many female friends as you. <laughs> But they're not able to. I have a theory because me and Brendan, who's our other colleague and friend, we talked about this. We said because of your physical stature and your personality, you come across very genuine and yeah. not threatening. Because when you're around the girl, I think the girl feels very safe. They know that you're not trying to sleep with them. Right? They feel like you're a friend that they little, can trust. Little did they know. <laughs> Steven's dark side. Jeez, man. This is, this is why I Little did they like, know. When I see Steven driving three girls around, I just, I get a little, uh, I get a little Don't curious. be jealous. Don't be jealous. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I'm a little envious sometimes <laughs> of, of your uh, your lifestyle. Uh, but I, I forgot what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, clothing, clothing. So that, that's kind of what brings your together yeah. with a lot of your female friends. This for me, I'm, I'm always be really truthful. Like if I think that product that they ask me about, if I, truly think it doesn't really fit them. I just tell them, no, don't, don't, don't get this. Don't waste your money on this. If I think it's like a, something that really suitable for them, I say, yes, get this. Mm. I think most of them, they just really appreciate my honesty, even though like I might want to make that sell sometimes, but I feel like being honest is one of the biggest factor to building a relationship, either in clients or with friends. Just being honest. Honestly, I think the biggest factor to um, building connection with people around you. Mm. No, I, I, I can, knowing you, I can really, you know, back that up and say you're a truly genuine, honest person. And I think that's what makes you so successful at a young age, uh, being able to clientele at such a high level. Uh, you, uh, do you want to talk about your sales or do you not want to talk about that? Because I don't know if this is a chance for you to brag and to rub it in Zenon and Brendan's face if they ever listen to this. So, <laughs> so Stephen and I, we opened uh, one of the premier Italian brands uh, within, boutique. Within the department store? Yeah, within a department store. We opened a men's boutique, which is the first ever in North America. Yeah. So we opened that store together October of 2018. Yeah. Uh, technically, I was first, and then Stephen came after. I think three but, days after. Yeah, but Stephen, I left pretty... Uh, after just five months, yeah. uh, but Steven was able to really drive that business and turn it into something I think we would all in the sales industry look at as something spectacular. In a very short time frame, he was able to build you know a massive clientele and you were essentially carrying probably 80, 70, 80% of the store's volume single-handedly. I mean, I mean, not that much. Like this year, I think like, like one-eighth you did one eighth? Uh, no. No, no, you, no, 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 your, no. Your majority is you. No, wait. The no. store is. Let me see. No, I'm saying not counting the, uh, just between you and the people that you work with. Just between oh, you. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So yeah. you're carrying like, like, eighty percent of the volume or seventy percent of the volume, some ridiculous number, uh, which is is a huge accomplishment. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and I think that that really uh, it speaks volume. Like you know, like Stephen, uh, I find like. But if people meeting you for the first time, you might not open up. You might yeah. not talk to them on a super friendly basis. I think most people are like that. Yeah. Uh, but once you really get to know Steven and actually see his true character, I think there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to appreciate there. 
Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. I, I'm giving you kind words now because we're gonna go into like some. some oh no! Oh no! What's <laughs> coming next? Stuff. Oh uh, no! Talk to me. Like, what, what? What is your? Uh, uh, what do you struggle with? Like, what do you do? You do drugs? Do you like? Do you, <laughs> what's your? What's your? Uh, what's your sin? What's your? What do you call it? What's your vice? I think my sin would be smoking. You smoke. Yes. When did you start smoking? Oh my god! Uh, I start smoking at grade twelve, I believe, around around that time. Why? And at that time, I just like kind of broke up with this girlfriend, and then just because of this friends group, I can't really hang out with them anymore, and I hang out with this other group, and then this all smoke, so then I just start picking up smoking. So, but my advice is never. I didn't ask for your advice, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Shut up. Never touch cigarettes if you can. But now after you touched it, you feel like it's too late to quit? I try multiple ways to quit, but I'm always like, end up getting back to it for different reasons. So, we, you know, like, I heard of something where it's like, if you're, you've been smoking for such a long time, like to say you're like 50, you know, 60, <clears throat> it's almost no point of quitting. Because at that point, your body is so used to it. If you do quit, it's like a shock to your system. Yes, in somewhat, it's true. But actually, I, I quit smoking for like three months. And then I just got back to it for a month. Yeah. Like for me, quitting for that three months is quite comfortable for me. I don't feel really stressed or anything. But sometimes just like once you get back to that one cigarette, that one cigarette will screw you up. See, I, I only ever seen you smoke when you're stressed really that that's from my observation like when you get really stressed out you smoke and and the funny thing is like it's almost an oxymoron because you're you're always stressed from work <laughs> and and then when you stress you smoke so like when you're stressed it's not good for your heart right when you're smoking it's not good for your lungs so brendan and i we always talk about like you think steven's gonna die from cancer first or a heart attack because <laughs> it feels like you're always you're balancing you're working you're stressed you get like high blood pressure and it's like a heart issue but then when you do get that heart issue you you calm yourself down you smoke so then you're you're corrupting your lungs i so, actually never thought of it this way but i guess there's something i need to think about when i get home tonight yeah, like you, you want to buy an insurance premium, leave something for your family, right? And so, yeah, I'm telling you, man, there's, there's a lot of us. We're not going to make it out of our 20s. You know, knock on wood. Knock, knock on wood. wood yeah. Because like I, I know from friends that are a little bit older, like just a couple years older than us, you know, they lost a lot of friends in their 20s. And I look at around at the group of my friends that I have, and I'm very fortunate that everyone is still healthy and alive, you know, for the most part. But I know by the end of our 20s, you know, not everyone's going to be here. It's just a probability uh, of life right so yeah. i think uh, i say that you know jokingly about the heart attack and the <laughs> cancer thing but you know at the same time it's uh it, it's something that i i don't think we uh we appreciate enough that uh yeah. time is time is finite yeah it's a it's a very uh it's a very i don't want to go into this topic it's a little too <laughs> it gets a little too deep uh, <laughs> uh what, what else what are you struggling what's your hmm I think my other struggles would be kind of finding my work-life balance. I mean, I'm a little bit better right now compared to like last two years. I mean, as Harry mentioned before, like he will always see me, like we work five days a week, we got two days off a week, and then I will still be in the store for on my two days off, right? So back then, basically, I'm kind of working seven days a week. I'm like 24-7 on call for my clients, but... That kind of really stressed me out and really drained me out, like in the long run after two years. So just right now, I'm trying to cut that up a little bit, kind to, kind of like kind of let my clients know that like I really need that rest time as well. I as much as I want to provide you guys the best and the most convenient service for you guys, but at the same time, I need those like um, quiet times and also that rest time to help me focus and concentrate to focus more on you guys hmm. i i always thought um i always thought the work-life balance thing is a myth i, I never really believed it because i felt like it's just it just gets i feel like when, when you're when you're at maximum capacity the, the line just kind of blurs and you're just kind of like in the middle of the two is it work is it play is it fun is it leisure 
I feel like it's all kind of jumbled in together. Yeah, in some way, yes. Like, I mean, like for me, I love what I do. I really love spending time with my clients, even on my day off. But like, you you don't really feel that at that point. But like maybe after a year or two, you starting to feel that like, oh, I actually want to spend more time on other things, maybe in my personal life or like spending time outside of work, going hiking or stuff, that kind of thing. Like the last few years, I didn't really have that much of those time to do that kind of thing to kind of relax myself, I guess. Mm. And now? Now I'm a little bit better compared to the last few years. What changed for you? Um, I think right now I'm just not as stressful as the last few years. A bit more like a relax and actually help me really concentrate better um, when I'm working. So. But what's like the catalyst? Like what, what, what made you flip that switch? Because I think the last few I'm just too tired. Like... I mean, like during that working on those two days off, I don't really feel it at that moment. But like after a whole year, two years, you're kind of seeing that like, oh, it's kind of really tiring. Not just like physically, but also mentally, it's kind of tiring. Like after the long period of times doing that, even though I enjoy at that point. Oh, let's move on. It's getting boring. Yeah. <laughs> We get it. You, you, you like the work-life balance part, yeah. which uh, we, we actually talk about this in the video a lot. It's a huge subject in the, in the 20-ish video series. Yeah. And we concluded that uh, you just, you, you don't have work-life balance. Yeah. It's, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. Now, like this year has been a little bit better. So, and that's something that I want to welcome better. So. Good on you. Good on you. Uh, what, what do you, uh, how, how does someone find their passion, Stephen? Pardon me? How does someone find their passion? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think that's very varies on everyone. Like you can't using that one method for everyone. So why my suggestion would be kind of be open-minded uh, with whatever happening around you, like people that you meet, um, 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 things that you see kind of like think a bit more deeper and then see if you're interested in that area like everyone have different paths someone find their passion through their families maybe their family running this business and then they feel connected with that then it's their passion right for me my passion kind of drove from my cousin because he was in that kind of like design industry right so my, my suggestion would be just be open-minded read a lot uh, explore a lot and don't be close-minded. Would you pay someone $5,000 for a course to find your passion? Personally, I won't. Okay. Because like that person, you are the one who understands yourself the most. Even though you pay him, he might be able to find out a bit more about you as a person, but there's so much they can find out about you because you're the one who under understand yourself the most so for me i wouldn't pay someone to figure out my passion i think that thing okay. come from us come from us that, that wasn't really a too serious of a question either because because it was a it, this was a run-on joke with me and my friends this entire year because oh, really? uh, we, we find uh we actually know a lot of people that um have started their own online courses or guru mastermind course where if you pay them like an x amount of money which is usually four five or even more couple thousand uh, and then they'll do like um, two zoom call sessions with you to help you find your passion which uh, we, we my friends and I we just thought it was the biggest joke you know to have someone who you don't know you pay them like thousands of dollars and they can you know find your passion with you in like two zoom calls yeah. so we thought it was it was, it was I mean good. I feel like even sometimes your closest family your parents or even your closest friend they might not know truly what the passion is about even maybe after you know them for a few years and you're talking about someone who just never met you and just through two zoom call and they were able to figure out your passion i don't think no. that's something that is like really reliable i guess can you tell me the story of when you brought food to that girl and that girl wasn't there can we not talk about that we'll talk about that no oh. Okay, we won't talk about it, but I, I just I brought that up because I wanted to show like Steven's dedication, dedication 
and his commitment to uh, his relationship pursuits. It's a very like I think I think that's one thing in our twenties we all deal with like relationships and love life in very different ways. And uh, I think Stephen takes it to the extreme <laughs> in some cases uh, where he really you know goes out on a limb. But I I, th- I think we're all different in that sense. It's it's a very well. We will touch on that since it's a little more. Maybe in a couple years, when you're thirty, when we do the show called Thirty-ish, we'll come back and you can tell that story for us. Sure. Okay. We're gonna do some rapid fire ones before we wrap here. Uh, uh, question one: Which one do you put on first in the morning, socks or pants? Pants. Oh, you put pants first. Yes. Why pants before socks? It, I don't know. Just my habits. Okay. Since I grew up. So. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I'm I'm just waiting for someone to say sock, but not yet at this point. Uh, in this moment, in this very moment, 25 year old Stephen, what are you in more need of? Rank these for me. Number one is money. Number two is health. Number three is relationships. Health, money, relationship. Health, money, relationships yeah. in that order. Okay, nice. Why why health first? I mean, if you don't have a healthy body or life, you can't have the other two things. Okay. So you consider yourself pretty unhealthy right now? I'm trying to work on that. So Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's never a good sign when you're 25 and your biggest concern is health. I think there's, a, there's some flashing lights there yeah, exactly. to consider. Uh, what is an industry or hobby that you're curious about but have yet to explore? Hmm. Very interesting question. I guess maybe car-related industry. I mean, like automotives. Maybe. Um, this is a question that I cannot give you a hundred percent confirmed answer yet because I think that's something that I'm still exploring and still kind of figure out what I passion in in other areas. Mm, okay. So. Uh, you have an eighteen-year-old kid. What advice are you giving them? Read a lot. Um, my dad has been telling me to read a lot since a very young age. But you know, sometimes when you're a teenager, you're just so stubborn. It's like, no, dad, I'm going to just watch YouTube videos. I can't find anything on the internet. And then I just start really get back to reading books like really this year. And I found it's actually really helpful. Like there's so much... Um, thinking or uh, materials that you can't really find from the internet, but you can only find from the books, like from the perspective of that writer. So, do you find it is the presentation format that makes books better than the internet? I just feel like like those writers for books, they really spend a lot of time doing research and finding those materials to share. But I feel like sometimes online, like the materials I've found is not as in-depth. So, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I 100%. Because when I read, read a good book, when it's really well-researched and their thinking process is really yeah. well-positioned, exactly. it's like you're reading fiction almost. It's yeah. so enjoyable. Yeah. It, they're telling you the story, but then they get this point across really, exactly. really well. Uh, no, I agree 100%. Uh, what is my last question? Let me see. Um, yeah, any weird thoughts you want to share? Just a person across on my table, Harry, he's a really annoying person. So <laughs> I think everybody knows that, you know, you know, the level of, uh, level of narcissism and the level of, uh, I don't even know what the word is. Douchiness. To douchiness to create a show called 20 ish and tell stories about a bunch of 20 year olds. I think it's needed to be honest. I think it's needed. I think it's needed. Like for me, like I wish like there's a, these kind of materials available when I was a teenager to kind of know how people in their 20s go through the process in their life. I'm just thinking from like even an older person perspective of like, you know, people from an older generation wants to understand young people better. Yeah. And just listening to this and, you know, seeing, oh, this is how they think. This is their values and this is what's mm-hmm. important to them. I think it helps bridge communication a little bit better. Yeah. To be honest. Uh, finish this sentence for me. My 20s is about learning 
damn you give one word like the last guy on here too also gave a one word one word answer okay i'll, I'll take it i'll take the one word answer uh lastly i want to ask you uh so uh pubg mobile which is a game that we play it's called yes. players unknown battleground it is a battle royale game very very fun uh are we are we gonna participate in a tournament this year it's up to you if we have time maybe we could try next year you know the prize pool for uh the international prize pool for PUBG mobile is 14 million usd i know 40 million yeah it sounds very yeah. delicious it is i just i think there's opportunities there and uh i think that mobile esports is some uh something that can be explored yeah. so yeah okay so let's do two games training every day yeah, I love that. <laughs> Man, you have a lot of girls that can play with you, so I'm no, they just, all suck. Yeah, I they gave do. up. They do. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna finish off with uh, I rank I rank all my guests uh, on a scale of ten according to my mom's standards. So this is <laughs> I would say this is uh, how my mom will rank your success in your twenties. So based on my mom's standards, at this point in your life, she would probably give you a four out of ten, which is actually pretty good because I would score a lot lower than you. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, in my mom's eyes. Uh, so four out of ten is very simple. It's number one, you're alive, you know, you're still breathing. Uh, you have a job, you have goals, and you can cook. I think those are very important things, right? So it's actually a very, a very good score. A very good. What score. would be a ten out of ten? A ten out of ten. You would need to have a a house, a, a car, a high a high income career. Uh, when I say high income, at least north of um, you got to be clearing over 150,000 uh, after taxes. It's my mom's standards. All right, it's not mine, okay? I don't, uh, you gotta have a car, you gotta have a, a really good looking wife. Or if you're a girl, you gotta have a, you know, a, a really great husband. Uh, and uh, if you're a girl, I guess, you know, they, uh, my mom would expect you to have kids, right? My mom's very, you know, traditional, you know, old oh, school traditional. traditional yeah, Asian so th those would stack up to be, a, to be a 10 out of 10. You gotta have a home, you gotta, you know, be able to have go a on family. vacations, families, yeah you know priorities hobbies i think that'll be a ten. i don't think i don't think anyone on our show is going to score 10 out of 10 but i can see a few that might come close to it so you're at a good place you're at a good place i think four is a good place to be and we want to see uh what you can do in the next five years so that's steven thank you thank you for yeah. having me and uh yeah go home man it's so late don't don't drive and crash <laughs> i don't want your insurance premium to go to nine thousand. 